So as, I don't know about you, but uh, when you talk about the issue of prayer, you know, in counseling and discipleship, it's the one thing that people have um, pretty strong rec- uh, mark- remarks about. Uh, I have some people that will say, I pray all the time, right? You ever say that? And uh, I pray all the time. But their lives are a mess. <laughs> and something seems to be wrong. I mean, it's like, you know, and, you know, they're struggling with discouragement. They're just struggling with despair. They're struggling with broken relationships. And it's like, I pray all the time. And then I have some people that will say to me, that James, to be honest, I, I just don't pray at all. And what that tells me is that if you, if you don't pray at all, you're probably living your life as though you are, are autonomous or that you're self-sufficient, that you could do this on your own. And, and so whether it's I pray all the time, but it has I seem to have no fruit in my life, or I don't pray at all because I'm living as though I'm autonomous or self-sufficient, there's a problem. You know, I, I also have some people that will tell me, James, I really don't even know how to pray, or what to pray for. And sometimes you get so overwhelmed with life that you remember in in Romans chapter 8, it said that even at this time where prayer is so hard, we can't even come up with the words. It's just groans. That the Holy Spirit will even take those groans and bring them as as prayer requests before the throne. Then I get people asking me this question. Why do we even pray, James? What's the purpose? You know, God's already in control. God's already got the plan. He's got my days numbered. What is even the purpose of prayer? I hope that as we have gone through the series that you've been able to answer some of those questions. I hope that for the first person that you are praying all the time, but that that prayer is now starting to change the way you think and change the way you respond and change the way you live, that it should produce a fruitfulness in your life. And I pray for the person who says, I've never prayed. I pray that you have now been challenged to start to pray and open your heart and say, you know what, as I open God's word and as I open uh, my time with you, that I am communicating with you in prayer and he communicates to me through his word. I pray that that's happened for you. And for some of you who hasn't, haven't known what to pray, I pray, I hope that over these series that the three of us have done, you will see that there were contents to prayer, that Paul prayed specific things, and he has given us the ability to think about those things and pray about those things. I, I pray that you've been doing that yourself. So today, what I wanted to try to do is to kind of sum up some of the key things that I think I've learned from Paul's prayers. But before we get there, I want you to think about this. What, what is prayer anyway? Very simply, prayer is communication with God. God has chosen to take 66 books in this Bible, and he communicates primarily to us through this book. And we communicate primarily to him through prayer. It becomes a reciprocal relationship. Just like a relationship between um, two people, uh, two people on this earth, you can't have a relationship unless you communicate with one another. If it's a one-way communication, it's not a relationship. It needs to be two ways. God communicates to you through His Word. We communicate to Him through prayer. It's this beautiful thing. So why do we pray? I hope you've heard that we pray out of the character and the qualities of God and the will of God. God has commanded that we pray to him, and we are praying his character. We are thinking about who he is and what he's done, and we lift those prayer requests to him that in light of the circumstances that we're going through, that prayer request is offered. I pray that that's happening to you. We've also looked at who can pray. 
And throughout this series, um, we have been seeing that prayer requests primarily are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, non-believers, if there are any non-believers here in this room, um, you can pray. Uh, The reality is that God hears everything. God is all-knowing, ever-present. But God hears in a special way those that have a relationship with him through the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the dilemma for you, if you're not in Christ, is that there is a barrier between you and God, and that that barrier could only be broken by the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the scriptures tell us that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So who can pray? We can all pray, but the reality is that the Christian finds their dependency upon this creator and that in that dependency that he has opened a door for a relationship with you. Can you imagine that the sovereign God, the creator of this universe, wants to talk to you? He knows you. He created you. He wants to have an intimate contact with you. You know, it just blows my mind. Who are we to pray to? Jesus told us that we pray to the Father. You know, for some of us, we didn't have great earthly fathers, but I'm telling you, you've got an amazing heavenly Father that wants to commune with you. We, have a, we speak to the Father through the work of the Son by the power of the Spirit. That's how we pray. When are we to pray? Scripture tells us pray always, constantly. Pray in the daytime, in the evening. Pray at meals times. Pray in times of need. Pray in times of rejoicing. On all occasions. But I guess the real question is: Are my pray- my answer my prayers answered? See, it's one thing to pray, but the question is: Do I really have confidence that God can and will answer? And Paul did. You cannot go through a letter of Paul without finding him praying constantly for the people. He had a confidence not only in the God who has the ability to do it, but in the God that wants to do it for you. And that he also had a confidence that he could not do it himself. He looked at his own weakness and he knew that in my weakness, I need to look to God's strength alone. So this morning, I want us to consider some keys to a powerful prayer life that I think I found from the Apostle Paul's life. You know, Martin Luther, um, the great reformer, it was said that he actually prayed three hours a day. Blows my mind. He said this, I have so much business, I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. (laughs) Do you hear that? I have so much to do, I gotta pray. That's so much unlike us, right? I've got so much to do, I don't have time to pray. Luther says, I have so much to do, I must pray. John Wesley prayed two hours a day. The ability to pray doesn't just happen by accident. It takes effort. It takes diligence. It takes training. It takes learning. It takes discipline. But anything good this side of heaven takes discipline to do, right? Uh, These musicians, I mean, I wish I could play like them. You think that that happened overnight? It didn't. It was hour after hour after hour of practice. Well, that's the way we have to go into reading God's word, and that's the way we have to go into prayer. So I want you to consider some keys to powerful prayer life. Um, The first thing I see is this. In Romans chapter 1, verse 7, 
The first key that I see from Paul's prayer life is that he prays for the blessing of gospel grace and peace in people's lives. I'm just going to read a couple of these, uh, some of which we've already actually gone through. In Romans 1, 7, it says this, To those who are in Rome, who are loved by God and called to be a saint, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 1, he said this, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He said the same thing in 2 Corinthians. In Galatians, he said the same thing in Galatians 1.3, Ephesians 1.2, Philippians 1.2, Colossians 1.2, 1 Thessalonians 1.1, 1, 1, 1 Thessalonians, uh, 2 Thessalonians 1.2. And then again, in 1 Timothy 1.2, he continued with grace, mercy, and peace. Paul began almost every single one of his letters with this pronouncement, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And it gets me thinking about the first thing I need to understand in prayer. I need to be amazed by the grace of God. See, God's grace is unmerited to you and to me. God's grace was unmerited towards humanity. What he did for you and for me is that he gave us what we do not desperately earn or what we don't deserve. It, it says in Romans 5, 8, that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That for some reason, humanity thinks that God wants a relationship with us because there's something good about us. No, no. There's something pretty evil about us. And what should amaze you is this, that if, if I am that broken, if I am that fallen, and as we sung this morning, if I am that wretched, why would the God of this universe want a relationship with me? Because what he wants to do for you and for me is he wants to change you. He wants to change you so that you look like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's unmerited grace. Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You know John Newton, who wrote that song, that man had lived a riotous life. He was a slave trader. He, was a, he had a rotten life, and that God got a hold of that man's life and transformed him, and that's why he could say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Our prayers should be so saturated with understanding this unmerited grace of God. It should also be saturated with this, this unsurpassed grace of God. That, that God says that I am going to do a work within you that is going to go beyond your sin. In Romans 5, 2, it says, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. For those of us that are in Christ Jesus, your sin will not be surpassed by the grace of God. That should get an amen. <laughs> and for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, your suffering should not surpass the grace of God. In 2 Corinthians, it says this, three times I pleaded with you, Lord, that, you should, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, persecutions, hardship, pers um, hardships, insults, and calamities. When I am weak, then I am strong. So when I saw Paul's prayer life, he started with this aspect of grace. It was, a, it was an unmerited grace. It's an unsurpassed grace. But it, he also said grace and peace. All you need to do is to turn on the TV today and see all the warfare that is happening around. 
You could see the warfare that happens in, in, Christ, in homes today. The breakdown of the home has been part of the reason why we have all of this turmoil that is happening in this world. The breakdown of marriage, the breakdown of homes, and Satan just loves seeing that the discord in homes, the discord in relationships, the discord that can happen even in a body of believers, and then the discord in the world. And what God says to you is this, you were separated from me, and I have brought you together in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul is praying a powerful prayer of grace to you and peace, peace with God. I was your enemy, God, but now I've been brought into a relationship with you. But not only is the peace of God, peace with God, but now I've got the peace of God. That Paul prays that you can have a peace that is so deeply rooted in your heart and your life that no matter what the circumstances are happening around you, you could be at peace with him. You want a powerful prayer life? You start with what Paul started with, grace to you and peace. He prayed that over the congregation. He prayed that for himself. He was constantly focused on the grace of God and the peace of God. There's a second thing that kind of got me with Paul is that Paul also prayed with gratitude. Not only did he pray gospel peace and grace, um, uh, grace and peace on people, but he prayed with gratitude. In Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, we did not get a chance to go to this prayer um, in our series, but this is another great one. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve in my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you. In Philippians, one verse that we did, one passage we did get to, in Philippians 1, verses 3 through 4, it says, I thank my God in all my remembrances of you, always remembering you, every prayer of mine for all of you, I pray with joy. Or another one that we did get to in Colossians 1, he says, we, we thank God always, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Gratitude. See, I think that there's a, a base in gratitude in humanity's heart today. Why? I think that we think that we're autonomous and in our autonomy and we're self-sufficient. So I don't need you. I don't need anything from you. I don't need your wisdom. I don't need your power. I just need you to serve me. That's what we basically tell God. And what God says is that you are utterly dependent. You breathe at my mercy the ceiling holds up at my mercy. The ground holds up beneath you under, by my mercy. We should have gratitude in our hearts, and we, we fail to recognize that. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, one of the clear signs that humanity is spiraling is that they have no worship God, no prayer for God, no glory of God. They're just not thankful to God. And gratitude is, is such a major issue. John Calvin said it this way. It is not without reason that Paul adds in Romans chapter 1, they neither give thanks to God, for there is no one who is not indebted to God's infinite kindness. And even on this account alone, he has abundantly put himself in his debt by condescending to reveal himself to us, that God reveals himself to us, and that there is not a person in this room that is not indebted to God. We should be so thankful to God. And gratitude is so very dangerous. I don't know if you struggle with, communi uh, 
with complaining. I don't know if you struggle with despair. I don't know if you struggle with frustrations in your life. But more often than not, the reason why we do that is because we have failed to thank God. We live with a deficit mindset that I have a lack. I have no lack in Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. See, see, the thing about it is this, that we need to see God for what he has done and thank him. Yes, there are things that you'd want, but there is only one person that you need, and that's Christ. Martin Lloyd-Jones put it this way. It's a little bit longer quote. Stay with me. He's talking about ingratitude. He says, man does not thank God for his mercy, for his goodness, for his dealings with us in his providence. We take the sunshine for granted, we're annoyed if we don't get it. We take the rain for granted. But how often we not thank him for that blessing. God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. He is the father of mercies. Yet people go through their whole lives and in this world and they never thank him. They ignore him completely. That is how they show their gratitude to God. And in this way they suppress the truth that God has revealed concerning him. What we as humanity do is that we have this tendency to focus ourselves on what we do and we fail to recognize what God has done. If you want a powerful prayer life, you must start with understanding gospel, grace, and peace, but then you must move to the fact that we should have gratitude in your hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's the second thing. A third thing I want you to consider that I see from Paul's prayers he prayed for increased knowledge. He prayed for increased knowledge. How many of you have ever gone into a Bible study? I actually was just talking to a friend this week, and I had given them an assignment of reading through the book of Galatians because they were struggling in their lives with freedom. And as we were talking about the book of Galatians, they, the person said to me, I tried reading it. I didn't understand it. And it's like, well, how much time did you spend? I spent about 10 or 15 minutes, I read the first chapter, I didn't understand it, I closed the book. That's you and me, come on, don't ooh and ah, we've been there. There's some points in scripture that are incredibly clear, it makes sense, and then there are other things in scripture that just don't make sense, I don't get it, right? And that's why we need the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, to, we need to help God give me increased knowledge. Help me to go to your word, and I just don't get it, God. Help me. And so what I said to this person is this. Did you write that question down in your journal? Did you take time to pray that the Holy Spirit open your eyes to it? Did you ask the Holy Spirit to give you a heart for this? Because this passage has transformed people's lives. Why is it not transforming my life? You need to be able to do that to ask God his will in your life. We saw that in, our, in, our, in the sermon on Colossians chapter 1. It said this, and so from the day we heard it, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that God may fill you with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. But did you hear it? An increasing knowledge of God. This is God's book. So if you don't understand it, ask God, and he will give you the answers. You think he wants to keep you in the dark? No. But there's some things that I know about people that I've known for years that come very easy. And then there are things that you learn about people that you've known for years, and it's like it's brand new. 
That's what a relationship is like. So we should be praying for, for God's will in my life. I should be praying for the hope of his calling. In Ephesians 1.18, it says, having the eyes of my heart enlightened, that you may know what the hope to which he has called you are the riches of his glorious saints. Or how about in Ephesians 1.19, we could be praying for increased knowledge of God's power. It says in verse 1.19, it says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the work that is in his hand? Or how about the passage that we heard from Ephesians chapter 3, that great passage? How about an increased knowledge of your love, God, so that the love of Christ may dwell richly and that you be rooted and grounded in love and you may have strength to comprehend, think, with all the saints, the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and to be filled with the fullness of God. Do you pray for increased knowledge of God? God, help me to know you more. That's a request that he wants to answer for you. I've learned from our study that we can pray with and for hope. With and for hope. What's hope? I believe that the Bible's answer is that hope is a confident expectancy that God is going to answer. See, the world today would say, I hope so. You know, it's this It's this crossing the fingers and it's this this wish fulfillment but that's not the god that we serve it's not like crossing my fingers god it is a god who says i am and i will act see i can't but he can he has he does he will i can only in him and it is by his grace and for his glory so that is the hope the hope of the empty tomb if he can empty a tomb you don't think he can help us deal with the struggles that we have And when Paul was talking about hope, when he prayed, he prayed with hope. It wasn't a wish. It was a firm assurance that God is at work. He had a hope of his calling. He had a hope of his grace. He had a hope of his word. Paul prayed with hope. In Ephesians 1.18, he said, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what the hope is. Or in the passage that we preach from in Romans 15, he said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Do you pray with hope? Do you trust God? Do you have a a waitingness, a a readiness that I'm waiting? You know, God, you may be not answering right now, but I know you're going to answer. Do you wait upon God? For those that wait upon the Lord, he will renew their strength. He will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Do you pray with endurance? It's not just going to the word for 15 minutes and then climbing the book. It's endurance. It's steadfastness of life. It's stability. Do you pray with commitment and confidence? Do you pray with contentment? All of that is born out of hope. And it's not a hope so. It is a confident expectancy that God is sovereign. God is in control. God loves me. And God will act. Another thing that I found from Paul's prayers is that he prayed for harmony. He prayed for harmony. You remember the passage in Romans 15? It said, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ that together you may have one voice 
and glorify God the Father. Or how about from 2 Thessalonians, we saw, now may the God of peace himself give you peace in all things. See, see, Paul prayed that there be harmony in the community of believers. Why? They will know we are Christians by what? Our love. They will know we are Christians by our forgiveness. There are some of us that struggle with broken relationships. We haven't talked to someone in years. There are some that struggle with bitterness and resentment, and Paul is praying that there be harmony in your heart and life, that there be harmony in your homes. I know there's some broken homes that are here. I know that there are people that are struggling in relationships, and as much as you can, Romans tells us that as much as you can, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace. Maybe you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't want a relationship with you. Well, what you need to be doing is, Lord, praying for peace and harmony in my heart that, God, give me the opportunity. If there's anything in my heart that's hindering the fellowship with this person, help me to break that wall down as much as I possibly can. It doesn't guarantee that that relationship will happen. But what it should be is this, that if because of the gospel of God's grace, he has brought you into fellowship with him, we should be working on fellowship with one another. See, our desire is to build a culture of peace, one person said, that reflects the God of peace, that the power of the gospel of Christ in our lives, as we stand in light of the cross, we realize that bitterness, unforgiveness, broken relationships are not appropriate for the people of God whom he has reconciled to himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus said in John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I've loved you. And you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So I, I, I ask you, is your life a life of harmony? And if it isn't, are you praying that God produce harmony in your life and through your life? Paul prayed for spiritual power. In Ephesians 1, he tells us again that you would give me the immeasurable greatness of your power. In Ephesians 3, he said that the power of the Spirit working in us. In Colossians 1, he said that you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for endurance and patience and joy. Paul prayed for growing love. I, I, this one kind of blew me away. Book after book, prayer after prayer, he was praying that we love. In Ephesians, he said that your hearts dwell in faith and you be rooted and grounded in love. In Philippians 1.9, I, I love this one. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. In Philippians, he says, 1, 7, he says, it's right for me to feel this way because I have you in my heart. He yearned for them with a depth. There was a lavish love. This is sacrificial love that is your love representative in this life. This love comes from God. This love is, not, is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not impulsive. It is sacrificial. It is active love. It's not based on attraction or fleeting emotions. It's a love for everyone, and it is for the good of everyone. Does that represent your prayers today? He prayed for 
also a fruitful life. He said that I want to see fruit in my life. Remember in Philippians, he said that the fruit of righteousness that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. In Colossians, he said that we walk worthy in the manner of the Lord, fully pleasing, bearing fruit for every good work. Paul prayed for ministry opportunities. He prayed that he would get an opportunity to minister to people day after day. In Romans 1, 9 through 11, he says, For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of the Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. I long to see you that I might impart some spiritual blessing. In 1 Thessalonians, we see that he is praying that he could return. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we have for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. As I look at these prayers, I see a man who is praying for the blessing of gospel grace in life. I see a man who is praying with gratitude for what God has done. I see a man who is praying for increased knowledge. I see a man who is praying with hope and for hope of others. I see a man who is praying for harmony. I see a man who is paying, praying for spiritual power and growing lo love and, and fruitfulness. I see a man who is praying for ministry opportunities in his, in his life. And so now I ask you, I, I ask you, and I've asked myself as I've gone through this series, are those my prayers? Am I praying grace and peace? Am I praying gratitude? Am I praying knowledge? Am I praying for hope and harmony? Am I praying for ministry opportunities? Are you praying that way? I pray that through this series that you've been able to see that, you know what, I don't know what to pray, James. I got it. But Paul's helped you. You remember Jesus' disciples in, in Luke 11, 1, it said what? They saw Jesus praying, and then one of the disciples said to him, Lord, what? Teach us to pray, right? And then Jesus gave, him, gave them that, the great prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Are we supposed to pray that prayer just as a ritual? No, what he was doing is he was giving us, and maybe that would be a great series as well, giving us the different elements of prayer. And Paul has given us the ways he's prayed. Does it line up with your prayer life today? So let, let me just try to bring it home. One, I gave you a lot of verses, and this week I'm going to ask Terry to email out some of these verses so that you can have them for your own personal quiet time. So that will be the first thing. Second is this. I want you to consider a journal. I know some of, and I know my guys in here, are going to go, are you kidding me? And I know some of my ladies in here, I will not write anything down because somebody could read it. Tough. <laughs> I would encourage you to grab a journal. I, I, 
write down, I put my sermon notes, if I'm sitting down listening under these guys, I'm sitting, you'll see my sermon notes from their sermons in here. I'd encourage you to write down what you've been learning in your own personal quiet time. You remember that, that um, Luther had said that it's praying deeply, but it's studying, going together, those two things going together. So as you're reading God's word, lift up prayer requests, put them down in there. You know, in our, in our worship folder, every week there are prayer requests. Put them down in your journal, write them down, follow up with the person and see, you know, I've been praying for you. Send them a text or whatever. Just let them know, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. You know, um, you ever heard the ACTS prayer? A-C-T-S? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, which is just prayer requests. My friend, um, he switches it around to cats, confession, adoration, thanksgiving, supplication. You can use a framework like that. I, I use... I use this thing called ABC prayer. Um, I go through the alphabet and I try to think a quality about God that starts with a letter of the alphabet and I pray that into the situation that I'm going through right now. So God, you're, you're an awesome God and you are available to me right now, that you are beautiful and you're creating beauty out of ashes in my life, that you are caring and you are compassionate. You're so concerned for me, Lord. You know, you are the deliverer. You're divine. You're bringing me to you, Lord. You're granting me everlasting life. Forgiveness and faithfulness. You are gracious and you are so good. You're holy. You're immutable. You're just. You're king of kings. You're lord of lords. You're majestic. You are near. And so as you go through the alphabet and think about the quality of God and he starts to saturate your mind, it comes out in your prayers and the situation, God becomes big and your situation becomes small. Last thing I want you to consider is this. There are um, some of you that desperately need prayer. So ask for it. Come down and ask us for it. Don't be shy to put something on the, on the um, prayer list for the week. Get that into the office. We want to pray. We want to be praying for you. Some of you have a gift of intercessory prayer. And as I talked about those prayer teams, I, I, I would love to have you come alongside us and pray with other people. Prayer is amazing. It's one of the most underutilized tools in the Christian arsenal. Amen. And we need to be at war uh, with prayer. So let me close with one of Paul's final prayers from 2 Thessalonians chapter 5. Actually, I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Praise you, Lord. Thank you. We have a God who is, you're utterly amazing. But God, I thank you for the fact that um, you are the sovereign creator. Uh, to be honest, you are the offended one as well. I don't know. When I get offended, Lord, I push people away you, when you get offended, you draw them to yourself. You drew them to yourself by one person, the Son, your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
you know, Lord, you did not have to do that for us, but you did. So I thank you for the fact that you have granted us salvation in Christ. If there is a person in this room who's never trusted in you, Lord, if there's a person in this room that has not understood the amazing grace and is not at peace with you, I pray that they would recognize that, uh, that Lord, they can come by your son's cross. They can come by his, his shed blood. They can come by that empty tomb. Lord, maybe there's someone in this room that thinks that they can't be possibly forgiven. I pray that they would hear the pronouncement of grace and peace, that you've not only given them peace with you through Christ, but you want to grant them peace within. Father, for broken relationships, I pray that you bring harmony. For those that lack wisdom, I pray that you would fill us with insight and increased wisdom. For those that struggle with loving others, Father, I pray that you would help us to understand how much you've loved us and help us to let that love pour out of our lives. Lord, for those that are struggling with fruit bearing in our lives, help us to know that it's fruit that is produced by Christ, by your Holy Spirit. I pray that we'd be open to his work in our lives. And Father, as we've been talking about ministry opportunities, I pray that people will be praying about opportunities to minister here in this, in this church for the glory and honor of your name. So Lord, I pray that you'd bless us and keep us. Make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance to us and grant us peace. In the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.